Amen. Thank you so much. That's my bishop, Pastor Merrill Meese. Uh, that's what we call him, the bishop. He's been a good friend and a mentor for me and uh, really has blessed my life. And so, PV family, thank you so much for the privilege and pleasure to, to stand before you. I know Pastor Meese doesn't just relinquish his sacred desk for anybody to address his congregation, so I am blessed uh, to be here this morning. Thank you for being able to gather with us on our online congregation and, of course, for the congregants that are gathered there in the chapel. Thank you for uh, being with us this morning as we dive into God's Word um, from Galatians chapter 5. You know, you have had the opportunity um, to talk and hear from several individuals, and I'm always grateful for Mark Carmel Queen to be here with me in this service um, this morning, and yes, Miss Angie Daniels. I'm going to refer to you in a moment. Uh, Caleb had, Pastor Caleb has shared with you about getting to know the Holy Spirit to begin this series called Ghosted. And then secondly, you heard from Pastor Corey, who's talked to you about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Dr. Yates was here last week, and he was talking about what it means to be witnesses through the Holy Spirit. And so today I want to just share with you what it means to live out, live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. One of the greatest compliments I've ever received besides my wife telling me that I am the greatest creation that God has ever made, <laughs> uh, the, the, one of the greatest compliments I received, and it was also the greatest challenge came from a 12-year-old boy who always was in trouble in our ministry at that time. And he said, Pastor Marvin, if Jesus is anything like you, then I want to get to know him. That was a huge challenge for me because what he told me was that if Jesus represents anything of what is written on the pages and it jumps into everyday life, if he's anything like you, I want to get to know him. In other words, if, if your life represents the pages that we turn, then I want to get to know Jesus even closer. And to me, that was sobering about the reality of living out the Spirit of God in every single day of my life. In Galatians chapter 5, I want to start verse 13. The Bible reads as follows. He tells us that you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. For if you bite and devour each other, watch out, for you will surely be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary 
to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh, they are obvious. Get this. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. And by the way, don't be hitting somebody along the side of you and say, wow, he's talking about you. No. <laughs> Dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, I know what you're going to say. That was a lot of verses. How are you going to do this in about 30 minutes? Now 22. <laughs> there are three observations I want to make to this text, and then we're going to dive right on in. The first is that Paul addresses the people, and as he addresses the people about what it really means to live this life that is governed by the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, Paul is addressing the plight of what it's like to live in the flesh. And then thirdly, he's going to talk to us about how do we practice living out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We're going to address the people, we're going to look at the plight, and then we're going to look at how we practice living out the fruit of the Spirit. Father God, thank you for allowing us to gather together this morning. As God, as I prayed so many times before, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, first and foremost, since you're my ultimate audience, and then to my brothers and sisters gathered here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't turn off your devices yet. All right? We're getting ready to dive right on. The people, the Church of Galatia, this was a diverse community of people, and they were being addressed with this false uh, gospel, this false doctrine um, that was being held by those who were Judaizers, and they were... They, they were instigating a different way that they ought to live, talking about they had that, that being a part of the kingdom of God or in order for you to be a part of the kingdom of God, you, it has to deal with you carrying out these particular laws or these particular rules. And so Paul wanted to address the confusion that was taking place in the midst of the church of Galatia. So he wrote them a letter, and he says, I want you to grasp a kingdom mindset. You've heard from this, 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 the, this human persuasion. You've heard from individuals giving you their human perspective. But I want to give you a perspective of the kingdom of God. 
So he starts off in verse 13 by addressing specifically his audience. He says, you, my brothers and sisters. So this letter is not written to those who are not believers. It's written to those of us who say we are followers of Jesus Christ. And he tells them, I want you to first and foremost understand your liberty. Understand your liberty. He says, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. He says, I want you to understand, you've been set free. God has given you freedom. But you don't have freedom to do whatever you want. You don't have the freedom just to be, this is the way I am. I just want to do me. He says, no, your freedom is not to indulge yourself, but your liberty actually is designed for others. That he says, so that you can serve one another humbly in love. You and I have the freedom to please God. You and I have the freedom to serve him. You and I have the freedom to live for him. But our freedom, our liberty, is not to do whatever we feel like doing and however we feel like doing it. That's a falsehood about freedom. We have the freedom to obey. Secondly, he addresses the love in the midst of the congregation in Galatia. For the entire law, he said, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He says all the commandments, all the commandments hinge or summed up in these ways. Love your neighbor. At PV, you've heard that ongoingly, loving your neighbor. Yesterday, we had a funeral for a 12-year-old boy who was a neighbor who lived right across the street from the Hope Center. He was tragically killed. And so we had this funeral yesterday, and we started this act of service at 1030 uh, that morning, and we concluded at 7 p.m. When we had the repast, that is the f- for folks who don't know about repast, repast is a time when we bring the families back together and friends and extended relatives and neighbors over a meal just to once again to encourage the fellowship together. And so we, would, we held it at the Hope Center. There was over 300 individuals that had gathered together throughout that time. And it was a phenomenal time watching, without incident, family members, friends, extended family members, neighbors gathering together at the Hope Center. Some were playing on the basketball courts. Others were on our playgrounds. Others were hanging by the church building. Others were in our school building. And what was amazing to them was when this woman came out and she was crying And she said, your people, your staff, I know y'all don't know us, but the way you loved on us, there must be something about this God thing. This other individual says, hey, listen, I I appreciate uh, what you guys have been doing for our family members during this time. Thank you for loving on us. But the greatest thing that occurred was when the father of the son who was killed said, hey, man, I've been observing you guys, your staff. He says, watching how you guys work together, watching how you love each other, watching how you function together, I've never seen that in a congregation or in a church before. It's something about love that transforms the heart of people. So he commands us, love each other. 
So he addresses their liberty, he addresses their love, but he addresses the looseness that was taking place also in the midst of the congregations. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The lack of love, he says, can lead to several things. Criticism, content, complaints, combativeness. You've seen how that works in the midst of the church. You have your individuals who are always complaining about something. Always talking about how PV ought to do this, how the ministerial staff ought to do that. You still have the same amount of individuals who are serving in PV that normally have served in PV for quite some time. Don't turn off those devices. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about in general here at Pleasant Valley. And so I want you to understand that he says when there's a lack of love, the congregation can start to destroy each other. So he says, how do we do how do we prevent that? So he addresses the plight. The plight of believers who act in the midst of the flesh. When we find ourselves living out, the, living by the flesh. Verse 16, he says, there has to be a clear separation from the flesh. So I say, walk by the Spirit. That word walk in the text means to live or to behave. It's your conduct. It's your way of life. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify. That word gratify means to fulfill, to complete, to satisfy the desires of the flesh. If I intentionally please God, I will not give into the desires of my flesh. Now, I don't want to make that just seem so trite or so easy to do. In order for you and I to not give into the cravings of our flesh, it requires power. When I'm at the airport, there's this thing called a walking mover. You know, this walking mover is it's what I call a one-level escalator. You get on it and you move. You know, it's moving you even while you're walking. But amazingly enough, it's called a moving walkway. Now, in this moving walkway, people have the right to just stand. It's amazing because it's the only time you'll find people standing and still moving. Uh, and so they're moving on this walkway. Some people are moving, when they're walking, they're walking faster on this walkway. Others are standing there and it's escorting them off the walkway. The reason why that can happen is because of the power of the motor that's underneath that walkway that gives it the power to move people along. The scripture helps us to understand that in order for you and I to truly be able to not give in to the lust and the desires of our flesh, it requires divine power that you heard earlier in this series to help us to be successful in not submitting to our flesh. We must walk by the Spirit so that we can have this dependency on the power of the Spirit of God to not give into our own flesh. So he deals with the ability to separate from our flesh in this way, but there's also the fact that the Spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another. Verse 17, for the flesh, some of your versions said the sinful nature, for the flesh or the sinful nature desires 
what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh or the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you, are not do, you will not do whatever you want to do. In other words, Paul says the flesh and the spirit cannot work together. They are opposed to each other. They have different goals and different outcomes for our lives. Because of some health issues, I, I've been given permission by my doctor to just try this vegan diet so I can limit some of my numbers down from cholesterol and, and diabetes. And so I'm on this vegan diet. And, and as I'm in this city, great city of Kansas City, Missouri, filled with all these barbecue restaurants, and you know I'm part of that barbecue fellowship that your pastor's a part of, I'm, I'm in my fourth week. And baby, haven't I been doing good? I've been doing good. And I have not surrendered. Yes, thank you. I have not surrendered to any meat and other items. I've completely canceled meat out of my diet uh, in this way. I'm plant-based vegan. And so my spirit has been elated. I, I, my pants are even a lot looser. I, it's, it's done good by my body. But when I take those drives and I smell that barbecue, I don't know where it comes from. But it's like it draws me back. It, it just, it, it reminds me, hey, Marvin, remember all those barbecue meetings that you've had at these restaurants? Wouldn't it be great for you to once again have these meetings? I'll be having these conversations in my head. Oh, how sweet that is. Don't, don't you miss Gates? Don't you, I mean, having, when was the last time you guys went to Q39. I mean, yeah, these conversations are going on. I'm at war with myself, y'all. I'm a dessert guy. I, I, I'm a dessert connoisseur. I respect dessert. We go to a, an event filled with desserts, and I'm sitting there, and I'm being disciplined as those desserts. I promise you that chocolate cake said, come here, bro. You know you want me. It, it, it was like this engaging conversation taking place. I was at war. But I, I won. I want you to know I won that day. I mean, you know, I want you to remind you walking in the spirit is a daily, daily situation on a daily basis. So he says, the things of the flesh our desires, the things we crave for, even the things that we lust for, they're in, when they're in direct contradiction to what the Spirit desires, they can prevent us from obeying God. But there's good news. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under this law. This law that the Judaizers were trying to tell the Galatian church that they're under. He says, no. You live by the Spirit, though Jewish laws, even the principle of the law, no longer hold you hostage. See, being under law is like taking our cell phones, and when we power our cell phones up, we plug them up, and we take them off the chargers, then we go throughout the course of the day. And we'll take pictures, we'll talk on the phone, uh, we'll send, send DMs, we'll go on the social media. But near the end of the day, or maybe in the middle of the day, how often you use it, the power is being drained. That's what the law is like. 
It starts off fully charged, but then through as you go throughout the day, the power is drained, and you're losing power. But what it's like to be filled with the Spirit is when you keep the phone on the charger, when you keep your computer plugged in. As long as it's plugged in, it gets its power, and the power is ongoing, and you're filled with it on an ongoing basis. Whenever you disconnect from the power, you lose. You lose the charge that's necessary to keep it functioning at its optimum. He warns us that living by the Spirit is like being plugged in constantly and therefore constantly being empowered. So he tells us, the acts of the flesh, verse 19, that the flesh, they are what we call the sins of the flesh, the acts of the flesh, or the sinful nature. He says, it's obvious. This is some of the things you just can't hide. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery is indecent exposure. It's a disregard for decency. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord. That is the lack of harmony. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, groups that gather together, envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and those things that are like it. I warn you, as I did before in Romans and 1 Corinthians, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, y'all, Marvin Daines didn't say this is what God says to us. Those who live in this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who have a lifestyle like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you say to yourself right now, well, listen, that's just the way I am. I got good news and I got bad news. If that's just the way you are, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the good news. Jesus died so you don't have to be just the way you are. That he set you free from being just the way you are. You want the best version of yourself? Live by the Spirit. Let me show you what it looks like, he tells us. The practice of living out the Spirit of God. Verse 22. While the works of the flesh destroy, the fruit of the Spirit provides life and refreshment, and it benefits others. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm only going to give you bullet points here, is love. That is to seek another's good, especially when they can't do anything for you in return. Fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's a settled celebration that you have of the soul that is within us, even when circumstances come and it doesn't make us happy. Peace results from strife and quarreling, and it gives way to harmony in our lives. Patience, that is to be long-suffering instead of being short-tempered. Kindness, when you help rather than hurt others. Goodness. That is virtuous action and attitudes that benefit others. Faithfulness, it brings constancy, perseverance, and dependability. Gentleness, one who practices tenderness 
as a form of submission to God and self-control. That is the ability to say no to sin and yes to God in the midst of temptation. He says, against these things, there is no law. That living this way does not break any natural law and it doesn't break any spiritual law. Notice, Paul didn't say the traits of the Spirit. Paul didn't say the characteristics of the Spirit. But instead, he uses a botanical metaphor for growth that helps you not understand how do we live out? What happens to the, the follower of Christ when they live their lives in the Spirit? Let's walk through that. He says, first and foremost, there's a natural growth that happens with fruit. Growth happens no matter what time of year that's taking place because growth can occur under the ground. And when growth, when it comes to fruits and vegetables happen under the ground, you and I might not be able to see it, but we can't measure it. That's why you'll tell a child, my, you've grown. They, they can respond, I don't feel like I've grown. But they can actually see their growth based upon measurement. You can measure growth even if you don't feel it or see it. There's not only what we call natural growth, but it's gradual growth. Gradual growth or gradual change that happens in our lives is like fruit that goes throughout various seasons. It may go through harsh seasons, sunny seasons, dry seasons, but fruit still have the ability to grow even when it faces difficulties. When you and I face difficulties, when you and I face disappointments in life, we can still display growth that is happening in our lives. Just recently, uh, two weeks ago, my wife and I was going to a funeral in Chicago and um, because her, her aunt had passed away. And so as we were driving on our way to, the, to Chicago, we were right across the street here from PV. We were right there on Cookingham. Um, we was getting ready to, to make our left turn onto 35 North. So y'all know where I'm talking about right here. And so as we, we cross the light, we're in our left lanes. There are two left lanes. We get ready to go towards uh, North 35 when all of a sudden a lady came and just hit us on the side and smacked us real good. And so I turned to make sure I didn't get into the other lane and I stepped over to the side and she wound up sideswiping another car that was just sitting there waiting to turn. And it was, a, obviously everybody was visibly shaken up. If you passed by and you saw this black guy standing there, you know, um, praying and singing songs, and talking to his Bible about his wife with the Bible and scriptures as we waiting for a tow truck, that was me. <laughs> we had the opportunity to display the acts of the spirit versus the acts of the flesh. But I got to admit, the acts of the flesh was very visible. I couldn't believe there's two left turning lanes. Why would you turn into mine? 
I can't believe that it's one o'clock in the afternoon and we're heading to Chicago. We wanted to seize most of the daylight. And now in my Acura MDX 2009, just got it last August, is now with brand four brand new tires. Car washed, looking good. It's sitting there on the side with the right passenger side wheel off. Obviously, my tie rod is broken. And yes, my wife was okay. She, 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 she was. Uh, I don't want to ignore that important point. She, she was okay. But I'm sitting there, and, I, and my first thought is, man, I'm upset with this woman. But obviously, she was already shaking up herself. And so my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit gave me opportunity to talk to my flesh and say, calm down and shut up for a moment. And I was, we were able to go to the woman, and my wife and I was able just to calm her down, let her know that everything is okay, to begin to minister to her. And then the others who were there that was sideswiped to be able to share and minister with them and talk about how good that we're all okay and if they're just vehicles. You know that was the spirit of God that would just say, oh, it's just a car, you know, because the flesh recognized it was more than that. But the spirit says it was just a car. Because when we deal with the acts of the flesh and the acts of the spirit, they could be at war with each other. But in the midst of growth, growth is gradual. It's natural, but it's gradual. But more importantly, it's also inevitable. In the text, notice it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. I've been studying Galatians chapter 5 and talking about fruits of the Spirit for a long time. But one thing I never really noticed in the midst of this text it's not that it's singular in nature, that is fruit, not fruits, but that every single act of the fruit of the Spirit is interdependent upon each other. That blew me away, that all the fruit actually work together. It actually goes together. In other words, you cannot have peace and not have patience. You can't have love and not be faithful. They all work together. Marvin, you can't say you have self-control and you lack gentleness. They all work together. This is not the fruits of the Spirit. I can't just itemize each one of them in my life. They're singular in nature. They all function together. For instance, a gentle person or a person who is gentle, a lot of people like going to individuals who are gentle. They say, I can talk to you because you don't judge me. Well, a gentle person may be gentle, but they may also be lacking love. Because if you're gentle, you also have to be loving. When I'm gentle, a gentle person is not a person that you can just come and tell all your sins to or all your troubles with without them speaking the truth to you in love. If you're gentle, 
but you don't have love, you'll never speak the truth to others. It's inevitable that if you walk in the Spirit, growth will happen. So how does this happen? Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, that is, those of us who are in a relationship with him, have, been cru- have crucified or put to death the flesh, our sinful nature, with his passions and his desires, his craving. It's evident that if you're living by the Spirit, the only way we can do this is if we have killed the things that are still alive in our flesh, and we have to do it daily. Because as a result, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That verb step is different than the word verb walk. It means to march and step with your commander so that he can lead you step by step. Therefore, the Holy Spirit must be included in every area of our lives and every move we make. We want to truly have the Spirit lead us. The result is that we would have victory over our flesh, y'all, because the Spirit is producing fruit in us. Verse 26 says, so then let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Listen, we can't take credit for the fruit of the Spirit that you and I possess. To become arrogant regarding spiritual fruit in our lives is to mean that you don't realize where the source of the fruit comes from. Jealousy about each other's lives and jealousy about I like their fruit and I don't like my fruit is foolish. Because the act, jealousy is an act of the flesh, not an act of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit will be manifested in the community of the believers first. This is the first Sunday of the month of May. And I have a challenge for you that I want to leave with you. And I thought about this in my life as well. If you were to die, in light of the funeral yesterday, I asked myself this question. Marvin Daniels, if you were to die today, what would others say about you? Would they say when they were Marvin Daniels or around them, he brought out the best in them? Or would they say when Marvin Daniels was around them, he brought out the worst in them? What would people say about you? Would they say that that was an individual who wanted to live out the acts and the fruit of the Spirit in their life? And I saw them striving for that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, y'all, the journey of our Christian faith is not a point, it's a process. And the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit is not something we attained for, it's something we already possess. And all we have to do in the power of the Spirit every single day is to live out the acts of the Spirit on an ongoing basis. But we need the power of the Spirit to be able to allow us to do so. My wife see me living out the fruit of the Spirit on an ongoing basis. But then she can give you a testimony about how the, the flesh is still very much alive and active on the planet Earth but I'm striving every single day to live out the fruit of the Spirit. I dare you today, as you go throughout the course of this day, that you would hand lock, put a headlock on your flesh 
when it starts showing up. Because whatever you feed the most, that's what's going to live the most. Father, thank you for this moment in time that I've had with my brothers and sisters. Thank you for our online congregation and my brothers and sisters gathered together at the chapel. Father, we desire to live empowered, Holy Spirit-filled lives. We recognize the fruit of the Spirit is not even possible without being indwelled with the Spirit. We recognize that we cannot possess the fruit of the Spirit without ongoingly being in relationship with you. Help us today. Today, would you fill us with your spirit so that we will not surrender to the lust of our flesh? And God, even when we begin to recognize the lust of our flesh, give us the power, give us the wisdom to drop kick it right in this place. For us in Jesus' name we pray. And together the saints say, and amen. God bless you.